Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Well, I was going to start the pod, but there's a helicopter outside my apartment. Oh, it's gone. Oh my God! Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys! Jake has a podcast. Jake has a podcast. Oh my God! Jake has a podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, uh, you guys, it happened. I saw Bad Cinderella on Broadway, and let me tell you, I had so much fucking fun. Are you kidding me? Carolee Carmelo slayed the house down. I know it's bad. I know. We all know it's bad but it's so fun. Uh, It's also gay as hell. It did not receive any recognition or nominations from the Tonys, which I, you know, agree with, but I, I think it gets a bad rep. It's so fun to watch. It's bad, but it's a good kind of bad. And speaking of the Tonys, you guys, we gotta dive into this week's Broadway World Recap. First off, I'm so excited to talk about the fact that Joel Grey and John Kander are both going to receive 2023 Special Tony Awards for Lifetime Achievement in the theater. These are two, you know, just absolute legends in the theater community, both of whom have been a huge part of Chicago on Broadway, which, you know, obviously holds a very special place in my heart. But I'm so thrilled for both of these people. Joel Grey, what an icon. Cabaret. Chicago, just these like iconic shows that he has had a part of. I mean, the original Wizard and Wicked, like just it's it's amazing. So I'm so glad that he is being recognized for his lifetime achievement in the theater. And John Kander, I mean, what a year John has had with the opening of New York, New York and all of the Tony nominations for New York, New York. I'm sure he's just thrilled. And he's in his late 90s. I mean, he is old and he's still kicking and he's such a lovely man and, you know, I just think he's so deserving of this award. And speaking of John and New York, New York, this show is nominated for nine Tony Awards this season, including Best Musical. It's also nominated for Best Choreography, Best Book of a Musical, Best Scenic Design of a Musical, Best Orchestrations, Best Costume Design of a Musical, Best Sound Design of a Musical, and Best Lighting Design of a Musical to Ken Billington, who just so happened to design Chicago the Musical on Broadway. Everything comes back to Chicago the Musical. And of course, we cannot forget Colton Ryan's nomination for Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role in a Musical. Y'all, his performance was beautiful. This show is gorgeous, but Colton Ryan hit it out of the park. His rendition of the song, A Quiet Thing, was absolutely stunning. So congrats to Colton and everyone at New York, New York. The other contenders for Best Musical are And Juliet, Shucked, Kimberly Akimbo, and Some Like It Hot. There are also some really exciting pairings in the lead actor and actress categories for musicals. Annalie Ashford and Josh Groban are both nominated for their leading roles in Sweeney Todd. 
Ben Platt and Michaela Diamond are also nominated for their leading roles in Parade. Sarah Bareilles and Brian Darcy James are both nominated in their leading categories for their performances in Into the Woods as the Baker and the Baker's Wife. Jay Harrison Gee and Christian Borle are both nominated in the leading actor category for their performances in Some Like It Hot. And one more fun pairing is that Victoria Clark is nominated for leading actress in a musical for playing Kimberly Akimbo, and Justin Cooley, her co-star, is nominated for featured actor in a musical for Kimberly Akimbo. So I just think it's so exciting that all of these people who get to share performances in their own shows are going to see each other nominated and get to celebrate each other. And obviously this is just the tip of the iceberg for nominations, but I thought it was really cool that there were all of those pairings. In other news, I am so sad to report that Bob Fosse's Dancing is going to close this month on Broadway. The show was absolutely beautiful, but I definitely could see how it would be a hard sell for people who maybe are not well-versed in the theater or, you know, are tourists who don't really know what they want to see or what they're looking for. But congratulations on everyone in Dancing for an incredible run. The show was absolutely beautiful. And lastly, you guys, I'm so excited to talk about the new production of The Who's Tommy, which is going to premiere at the Goodman Theater in Chicago. The show is going to star Adam Jacobs, Alison Luff, and Bobby Conti. And my dear friend Aaliyah James is going to be in the ensemble. So I'm so excited for everybody involved. This show is so fun, and I think a reimagination of this show is well overdue. And I hope to see it transfer to New York. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. She is truly one of the most talented performers there is on Broadway, and she is currently playing Hunyak and understudying Miss Velma Kelly in Chicago the Musical on Broadway. Please welcome Miss Christine Cornish Smith! Oh my god, thank you for that lovely, nice intro. Welcome so to the show. Thank you for being here. How are you? I'm wonderful now. How are you? <laughs> I'm just peachy. Tell me, where peachy. are you calling from? I'm calling from the Upper West Side, also known as the Pupper West Side. There's lots of dogs up here. <laughs> um, but yes, yes, from my home. What about you? I guess you're also in your home. I am. I am also on the Upper West Side. Are we neighbors? <gasps> oh my God, scandal. Oh my God. I'll get a coffee one of these days. Yes. Where Where was home for you before the Upper West Side? How long have you been in New York City? Oh, oh my God. Well, actually, it was just kind of my 10 year, re like, you know, my it's been 10 years. Wow. What? It's been a decade. That's wild. That is wild. But um, that that means yeah. you're a true New Yorker. I think I think they say eight years is the true marker of. Is it eight? Oh, yeah. that's the marker. Oh, well then, honey, I <laughs> oh get my cig out. I passed that marker two years ago. This is old hat, um, darling. Yeah, but yeah, before that, I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. If that's what you're, if that's what you're asking. Oh my goodness, fantastic. Well, yes. what um what brought you to New York? Was it um after after school you are a graduate of ccm cincinnati yes, the, the ccm um yes so i came here just like so many young blondes in america who wanted to come to new york city and make it big on broadway and uh yeah so i guess i came up for i mean i graduated let's see yeah in 2013 and i worked briefly in chicago at chicago lyric opera and then moved up here after that. Fantastic. And then, 
started pounding the pavement. Hell yeah, you did. And you got <laughs> like a BFA all, like in musical theater? Uh, a BFA, I did. Yes, I'm one of those people. <laughs> one of those triple threats. Singer, dancer, <laughs> actor. Well, I, I must I, say, I have been a huge fan of yours for a long, long time. And when I first met you, I think I like, you know, just shamelessly was like, I'm obsessed with you. But I, Oh my God. I, first... I loved to that we were doing a show together. And then that was how we met. Like yes. what a, what a dream. Sincerely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I have been such a fan of you for so long. The first show that I got to see you in was cats. Um, and I knew you obviously as a vocalist from that show, but um, specifically because of your dancing and you're just, you're, technicality and your ability to to just whack your legs and use your feet can you tell me what was your dance background growing up you were a former principal for was it the san antonio ballet the um dallas metropolitan ballet oh, yes dallas Close. metropolitan Close. yes yes um yeah growing up i was very i was a bunhead as they call them mm -hmm. and uh yeah i really was you know, I went to like um, School of American Ballets in the summer and I was like, I want to be in New York City Ballet. That's like the dream. Yeah. And then kind of because of an injury, I had to stop dancing like completely for a while. And because of that, I started, I was in choir, you know, and I kind of got more into the other things, you know, the singing and the acting parts of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I was like, oh, okay, there's, there's way that you can still dance and also do this thing called musical theater you know so I sort of came to it uh I guess in high school I sort of was like okay I could see myself doing musical musicals instead of ballet and uh it actually was the, the there was a video of the Susan Stroman version of Oklahoma where the Lori also danced her own dream ballet and when I watched that I was like all right <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Gearing up, um, baby. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do it. So that was sort of my background, you know, uh, for dance was was ballet. But then I, you know, was lucky enough to be able to kind of learn a lot of different styles and stuff. So, totally. Yeah. I mean, and then you quite literally went on to be Lori in Oklahoma with Susan yes. Oh my god, dream. Oh, that I was like unwell the entire process. I was just like, oh, I can't believe I'm getting to do this. Um, and you did yeah, at the Muni. So that was yes, yes. Which is, have you ever been to the Muni? Like, I... even seen a show there or anything? Yes, yes. It's like so beautiful and just so spacious and you know expansive it was just yeah it's such an awesome insane i mean the stage itself is like miles long you're like doing jazz runs just to make a cross exactly yes you know you know it's like it is really insane so doing that like ballet and that setting in the trees and with all that you know it just was like truly life-changing like wow. i'm like yes all right all these broadway shows but like that was my favorite credit i think <laughs> so, oh, yeah. that's amazing yeah. well yeah. I mean I, I already obviously mentioned it before but Cats on Broadway the revival you originated the role of Bomb Ballerina and I must tell you I saw it three times count them one <gasps> two three oh, three I was obsessed oh, yes. I, me and Leslie Blake Walker friend of the pod she and I were 
so just in awe of of the show, but specifically of you. And I um, I want to hear about your experience, not only you know booking the show and then getting to to set the show with Andy Blankenbuehler and this sort of like reimagined choreography, but also you made an appearance in quite a few of Tyler Haynes's um, video <laughs> vlogs for his yes for his cold. It's called it Hello called Pussycat, like, darling. Yeah, or what? Or no, what's new? Oh, what's new? What's new, Pussycat? Right. Yeah, Pussycat. Whoa, yeah. Oh my god. That, <laughs> Can you like, tell that me about cats? I'm pretty sure, first of all, that that vlog will like haunt me for the rest of my life. Um, I literally had someone the other day come to Steps and take my class and was like, I loved you in the vlog. And I'm like, that was like years ago like and and then he went on to say that he waited for me at the stage door and I didn't come out and how I like ruined his childhood and I was like I'm a terrible person um I was like I really thought I came out most of the time this was like a matinee anyway um trauma but um cats okay let's see the question was oh oh yes. well it was Just, about nine questions so uh, my apologies about nine. how uh, how yeah. was the audition process for cats for you the audition process for Cats, let's see. Um, so I had already known Andy because I did uh, a national tour of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoach set sure by did. Andy, and uh, which was an awesome experience. But we had done that, and then I did like a bandstand workshop and some other things like um, after that tour. And I was doing a production of A Chorus Line, <laughs> Um where I was like the youngest Sheila to ever, uh, you know, I was like the youngest in the cast, but was playing the oldest person was hilarious. But, <laughs> um, and I get an email from Andy that was like, Hey, um, it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm doing the revival of cats. Um, and I think there's a place in you for it. I'm not sure what, but are you going to be in town in February? And I was like, yes. Like I, <laughs> I was like, I don't, yeah, like, like I was very, very excited, but of course had to like, I was like, I don't know if I should tell anyone. So it was like the secret that I was like, they're doing the Cats musical and it hadn't been announced yet. I felt like very, ooh. Anyway, so a couple, you know, however long went by and I was like going to the invited call and I felt really special. I get to the invited call and there's like hundreds of people there. Like I was like, oh, okay. Here I was thinking I was like, one of the chosen ones and I was like well there's hundreds of chosen ones and like no. all right so I sort of showed up and I was like oh like I this is I'm not gonna you know there's like I was you know stunned by the talent there and like there was just some of the best dancers ever there so I definitely was feeling discouraged at first um anyway and then I think oh, man so many stories from all those auditions I kept going in over and over it was a lot of rounds I think I ended up going in like eight times or something, eight or nine times. And, um, and was the group like pared down and pared down every time? Or was yeah, it just sort like... of like pared down and, and we would do different combinations. And especially toward the end, like I, I think the reason that I booked it was because it was like one of the, I had already thought it was my final audition because it was for like everyone, you know, like, um, Dame Jillian Lynn, may she rest in peace. She was there. Yes. Uh, Trevor Nunn was there. Trevor. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Trev. Um, and <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber was there. Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like all the people, all the producers. And I was like, oh, well, this is like the final, final. Uh-huh. And I, uh, anyway, so I like did 
you know, McCavity and like all the things for them. And I was like, okay, I think it went well, great. I was like, all right, well, I guess that's it. Then I get a call like two days later and they're like, they want you to come back in. They're just like, not sure. And I was like, what? And I was so (laughs) mad. And I go back to like some like rinky dink room and it was with the music director, the amazing Kristen Blodgett, who I like adore. Yeah, she's incredible. And I was in the waiting room and they were like, they had brought in all these other women who hadn't been to a single audition from like London. And they were like, I'm here to audition for the role of Bombay Arena. And I was like, that's my role. I was so, (laughs) I was so enraged that I think it helped me get it because I walked in like so mad. So I was like, I've like auditioned so many times. There's all these, like, and I just, I think that's, uh, was sort of the thing that, they were like, okay, great. She got it. Cause I was she's just got so, it. she's got I this fiery so passion. Heated. I, I had a fiery passion. Cause I was like, <laughs> who is this bitch over here? From, you know, I'm sure she, they were all very lovely people, but I was like really just, you know, it gunning for it. And anyway, so yeah. So then I did that and then I didn't hear for a while and I thought I was going to like pull out all my hair. And of course, in the meantime, it's like what they don't tell you is like, I also had gone to a bunch of other auditions and was like rejected from everything, you know, haha. Of course. But you don't hear about that, you know. Um, (laughs) And uh, so anyway, so I was like, well, I guess cats, maybe it, you know, that I didn't get it, I guess. And then I was flying, I think I was flying home, like for my mom's mother's day or something. I was flying home for something and um, I was at a layover in the Atlanta airport and I get a call from Andy and I was like, Oh God, it's him. He's going to say, we're so sorry. Like we really wanted you. And I was like preparing myself. I was like, oh, God, hello. <laughs> anyway. And he was like small talking with me for like a good four minutes was like, so where are you? I was like, Atlanta airport. He's like, oh yeah. The bathroom's there. But he was like, and I was like losing my mind. I was like, what? Right. <laughs> And he finally was like, so we're going to give you the role. And I was like in a public place. So I couldn't really, you know, I was like, oh, that's great. (laughs) And, uh, and then he was like, okay, well, so I'll talk to you soon. I was like, all right, goodbye. Like I was so (laughs) calm because I was just so stunned and I didn't want, you you know, thank thank you so much. Goodbye. That I ended up writing him an email right after being like, I hope you didn't, think that I wasn't I'm very excited I'm very excited uh you know like um so yeah so it ended up you know it was a long process and it was a lot there was just a lot of people like some of those final dance auditions were insane just like the energy in the room and it was like like seeing all the people who were in obviously for Mistopheles was like disgusting it was just like insane people and you're like how am I here you know it was so it was like such a special process and um and then special because you know i had a andy was sort of like i got my equity card from andy and you know he sort of gave me my first thing and then it was the one that sort of was my cheerleader in the room so it felt really special to be making my broadway debut in a dream role in the original cast and with um someone that i really admired and respected and yeah. respect and, and admire present tense you know but um right. but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what not anymore no, I'm just kidding. no longer no longer <laughs> um well it is funny that it's like truly such an iconic show and there is this sort of notorious hashtag cats is hard can you talk about 
the experience of doing a show like that eight shows a week on a raked stage in fucking jazz shoes. Like you guys were huffing it. It was not, it was not light. Yeah, no, you are um, correct. Yes. Um, I remember at one point uh, it was like in the middle of the run and Jeremy Davis, who played Skimbleshanks, um, who has been in a million broad, he's like, you know, just a, been in all the Broadway shows, you know, a legend, as they say. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember turning to him once, because he was very much like a, you know, like uncle, like dad figure to me. Like I was, I was like, Jeremy, like what's happening? And I remember turning to him being like, God, this is really like, is Broadway this hard? And he was like, this is probably going to be the hardest. Like everything else from here will be. And I was like, okay, that feels, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. Because <laughs> the, the thing about Cats is that, um, you're not only having to do like the makeup is very intense and then you're gluing the wig down and it's like a lot of prep. And then it's, you know, you're basically on stage for the entire show. You're crawling, you're climbing things, you're jumping off things and you're um, not human. So you can't just like kind of walk to stage left. You have to like cat to stage left, which Mm -hmm. just takes exponentially more energy. Um, So, um, yeah, but I, I really, God, I just, I loved it so much because it felt like there was so much freedom, you know, like there's so much improv inherently in the show and you just get to be a creature and like, when else do you get that opportunity? Um, totally. And uh, yeah, so hashtag cats is hard, but cats is also, you know, so fueling and it's so amazing too, to just see you know, there's all these different kinds of people in the audience, people who don't speak English and are still moved and people who yeah. don't know what the fuck is going on and are like, this is cool, <laughs> whatever. Like, so it is just such a, a unique experience in that way. And um, yeah, truly one of my favorite shows to this day, of course. But yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I think it's so exciting too. I was obviously in awe of your performance because of your danceability. But I have to say your singing, I think is what sets you apart from other dancers because you are just an incredible vocalist and you have done, you know, principal roles and and stints and shows at, um, at opera companies all over the place. Um, tell me about your, your vocal training. Did you know, um, once you started musical theater that, that you had this singing voice like like nobody else oh my god well first of all coming from you that's like the highest compliment because oh, you're an incredible vocalist so um thank you that really means a lot uh oh man i mean it's funny because i used to when i first got to ccm i was so terrified of singing um <laughs> like even though i had taken you know i'd done choir and all these other things but i just sort of didn't identify with being a singer. I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, that's fine. I'll, I don't need to sing. Like, I just got, it made me very um, scared, I guess. I don't know, using my voice yeah. in that way. And um, so it definitely has been a journey. And I think I'm even still on it now, I think, you know, as we all are, you know, constantly like navigating our voice and all of that. But um, yeah, I, I feel grateful that I have been, you know, had had so many great teachers and mentors over the years because, you know, it's it is hard to just book a Broadway show just off of dancing. You know, like I think if I 
if I hadn't been the dancer I'd been, I don't think I would have had the career I had. If I hadn't been the singer I've been, I don't think I'd have the career I'd have, you know? So it's like, right. I think having um, both of those skill sets that I feel really grateful and privileged to have gotten to work on over the years and all of that, um, it's, it's sort of, you know, the only reason I've been able to have these opportunities. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Singing. Did that answer the question? I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you did you um focus all four years? I mean, like I don't exactly know what the vibe is of CCM. Is there like a focus or concentration in your major or oh, is it yes. very um leveled like vocal yeah. and dance and acting? Um they do try to make it pretty even, you know, as far as okay, mm -hmm. you're working on all three, you know, they like the the triple threat thing there, but um <laughs> You, you take private voice lessons like all four years. And um, I was in the, uh, I forget what they call it, God. There's like a fancy choir that you get into where it's like with all the opera majors and you have to, Ooh. you know, you have to like pass all these tests and all these things. And I was in the fancy choir, um, <laughs> which, uh, but it was a really cool experience because we got to, we did um, Turandote with all of the orchestra and the, um, opera majors and so that was like such a good education for me you know to have that other side of it and not just be singing musical theater songs all the time I sort of got to explore you know a different uh, realm um, but uh, but yeah you know it's I'm sure it's like a lot of other BFA programs where you have like a vocal coaching and voice lessons and choir and then you do your the shows you know whatever shows you do and um, we also had a lot of, there was a really wonderful, and he still is such a great, um, songwriter, Andre Katrini, and he would like put together these song cycles of his original music. And so, you know, some of us would do some of those things and, you know, there was just, um, it, it was such a great four years of opportunity and exploration. And that's where I found, you know, I think I had gone to school being like, I, I'm like a soprano person. And then I left school being like, Oh, I'm like kind of also like a jazzy alto have this whole other side of my voice. Yes. And it's just funny because I've like more often used that part of my voice, which I didn't even know I had um, right. than the soprano thing. You know, I'm more often mm -hmm. a slut whore than I am an ingenue. <laughs> Who knew? You know? um, and you I'll can take, take that to the bank. And I'll take it, you know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I think it's funny, like you, you may have thought one thing about yourself and then, you know, you, you learn and you grow, but then also there is part of this whole industry that's just like, oh no, no, this is it. This is, yeah. you. this is what you do. And you're like, but, but wait a second. You're like, I thought it was I, this. But, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I mean, that's and then like, I'm like a... oh no, you're Velma Kelly, bitch. <laughs> bitch. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. I love that. We got to do that together. I'll never forget when I forgot to put on my silver shoes because we were deep in conversation. Because I ruined your show. Ruined. You guys, for the listeners. Okay. Let me tell you. <laughs> I knick-knack patty-whacked my way into Christine's dressing room during a performance of Chicago where she was on for Velma Kelly because like the stupid fangirl I am, I was like, this is my moment. I have to talk to Christine. And you and were my ass... Mary Sunshine. You were incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I um, fully distracted Christine to the point where she forgot to put on her 
rhinestone silver shoes, which is a plot point oh my God. that we later it talk about in the show. It was rich. It was like That's a hilarious rich, moment because I was like, look for the trial. And then I had like my basic black shoes on. I was like, silver shoes. And I, and I was, I'm, <laughs> I'm still an understudy. So I hadn't done it a million times. So I didn't, I wasn't as quick as maybe I would have been if I, like, I, I wanted to be like, they're in my trunk. Silver and they have, you know, and I couldn't. But like, you'll I see had them later. People at the show, and I was like, "Did you notice my shoes?" And they were like, "You're what?" Like, no one noticed it. But of course, to well, us, I mean, it's like the end of the world. Luckily, you know, well, right. But luckily, that like this specific version of Chicago is so imaginative anyway. Yeah. Like everyone's just in black lingerie anyway that you could be like, "I'm wearing a ball gown." Right, and, and there's like, okay, right. and there's so many moments where they're like, "Doctor," you know, "Judge," like whatever, and it's. You know, right. no one a has man with nipple So, exactly, right. exactly that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, wait. So what were we talking about before I totally went on that tangent? Um, oh no. Well, we were just talking about singing and and like the vocal quality that it takes to you know create a character like Velma Kelly. I mean, you go from being this like soprano ingenue to fully like rising up on the elevator out of the bandstand and belting your titties off. Titties. <laughs> No, but, oh, what I was going to say with that is, like, um, um, sometimes the, you know, you move to the city and you think you're one thing and then you, the industry sort of tells you, no, 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 you should do this or, you know, you are mm-hmm. this, um, which I think it's it's one of those things that you have to readily, like, receive that and, like, go with that. But also, I think there's, I've been so inspired by a lot of people lately who have just been like, no, I'm going to be myself and I want to be doing this and I'm going to continue to show that I have all these other colors and you know by doing their own solo shows or their own you know so it's um yeah it's cool to just see you know some people go along with what they're told they should be cast in and like really leaning into that type and then other people who Mm -hmm. break out of it you know there's kind of no one way to build your career there really isn't yeah I think it's it's ever changing and it's exciting that more and more people of um, different backgrounds and um, different abilities are being, you know, actually considered for yeah. roles that they may not have been before. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's about damn time. I mean, I even feel yeah. just like I identify as a non-binary person and, um, you know, I have a mustache and, and nails. And mm-hmm. so I walk into an audition room and sometimes people are like, Yes, I see it. And other times people are like, who? What? Right. Are They're you? like, but I need to see this picture. And you're like, oh, I'll yes. this one. And mm-hmm. I think but I it's... have such admiration for that. And I also think that's the only way. Oh, man. I feel like when I first moved to the city, I was always trying to channel someone. Like, I always was like, I'm going to channel my, you know, my idols and people that I look up to. And that never got me the job. But when I said, you know what, I'm just going to be myself, I'm just going to channel myself and I'm just going to be flawed and weird and sing this note however I want to navigate it. And then that got way more, even if I didn't get the job, I would get reception from it, you know, or someone saying, oh, this was great. We're going to bring you in for this other thing because I just stayed true to what I do besides going, I'm going to really try to you know, sing it this way that doesn't feel natural, but I know that's what they want. It's like, no, no, right. no. And I think in the long run, it pays off to just be exactly, you know, mustache and nails and 
live your dreams. Like that will pay Absolutely. off in the long run way more than conforming, especially totally. as the industry is evolving and as society is evolving. It's like very exciting. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that is um, an energy that you so beautifully bring into every room that you step into, truly. I I have not met a single person who isn't obsessed with you, but um, I... I really see it when um, you teach and when I have taken your dance classes. And so I'd love to hear about, you know, the, the sort of culture that you have created around oh. dance class in New York City and, and what it's like to, to teach all levels of you know, yes. musical theater and jazz and beginners and everyone. What's yes. it like? Oh, my God. Dance class. Um, I really <laughs> love it. It's like funny it's something that I always have loved to do and um you know when I first was uh you know in the starting my career and everything I would teach but it was always like oh I'm going to teach a combination from the show that I'm doing or you know and it was just that and like just relaying information passing on information which is very I think really important you know it's like all about giving it to the next generation right like going okay here's here's what I know and like, give it away, you know, don't yes. like hoard it. Cause um, that there's what, what good is that going to do? You know, the gift was um, ours to borrow. The gift was ours to borrow, darling. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, so yes. And then really once the pandemic hit, I, I was in Dallas with my family or, you know, I was staying with my parents for a while and um, the, one of my home tunes, Oh my God, home tune, <laughs> hometown studios. Uh, the owners were so kind and they literally gave me the keys to their studio and they were like, use it however you need, like whatever, if you need to, cause I was like teaching a lot of kids remotely. I was working um, with a lot of kids on their college auditions and um, mm -hmm. you know, cause it was like, all right, well, all the shows I had lined up are all canceled. And so I'll lead into this thing that I've always really loved, but I've never really had um, enough time and energy to like fully do it. So it was funny because it sort of really blossomed there. And then I would just have hours in this gorgeous studio that they just gave to me to like create stuff. And I wow. started just coming up with like common, and a lot of times it was coming up with combinations for my students for their college audition. You know, like I would be like, what, what's, um, what inspires you? What songs do you want? And I would get information from them and then put together a, you know, one minute piece and then give it to them, you know, um, which was like a great, like little assignment for me. And I was like, yes, a task, give me a task to do. Um, but uh, so I was doing that. And then I also just found this like love for choreography and characters like I've always had, but I was able to really lean into it. And, um, and then, and then when I moved back up to the city, my good friend who I did the Joseph tour with Chip Abbott, um, who he's wonderful, you know, just such a sweet man, very talented, uh, you know, choreographer and dancer and all the things. Um, I came back up to the city and I was sort of reaching out to people being like, hey, I, um, we were still doing all classes like at Steps and BDC, like virtual, like there was no one allowed in the studio, except you could have like one or two assistants. So just reaching out to some of my friends, if you ever need an assistant, if you ever, because I was just like, I need to keep dancing like I feel like we all felt this you know like we're going crazy and yeah um yeah. so Chip had me assist for him and then he 
uh, was getting, um, having a back surgery, which now he's like all healed up from and he's amazing, but he needed someone to sub for his class for like, you know, I think it was like seven oh. or eight weeks. And I was like, you know what, I'll do it. I feel a little ridiculous because I didn't, I felt like I wasn't, not that I wasn't worthy, but I was like, man, the audacity of me to be like teaching these classes at this studio that I've uh, revered for years since I was like right. you know, 12. I was like, right. I feel really insane, but you know what? I'm just gonna seize the opportunity and do it. And so I got Hell set yeah. up and they, you know, Steps looked at all my stuff and was like, great, yep, you're all good. And so I started teaching um, only virtually for, many weeks and then I just sort of kept doing it and um, kept doing it. And then I did it for the rest of that year. You know, I guess I'm trying to think the timing. Yeah, because then I kept doing it up until while I was doing another workshop and then I went in for Chicago and I was like, LOL, I'll go in for Chicago, ha ha. I'm not gonna book it, ha ha. And then I got it and then I was like, ha ha. And then I, <laughs> ha ha. Uh, and then I was like, oh shoot, like, but I still really want to teach because I've started to build, so, like, I was so attached to, like, these people that would start coming to my classes on a regular basis, and I had sort of um, created this really quirky kind of theme, which was, like, every class were a different character, um, because I did yeah. feel like after years of going to class, that was the one piece that I always felt was kind of missing, was, like, well, I'm going to class, and I'm learning all these this inc these incredible steps and this incredible choreography but then i'm going to an audition and they're asking me to be a person or they're asking me, yeah they're asking yes. me to also act and i'm like oh god i haven't done that because yes i've gone to class but i just did a bunch of ball changes and it was glorious but it's really hard to practice you know that's an, another skill that you have to also practice so I was like, yes. what if I, we really try to ground it in like a point of view and a character and a context. And so that every class we're having to do, you know, what we are asked in an audition or what we're asked when we do a show, like rarely are you just going to do a show. There's going to be like, and then here are the general dancers that come out. It's like, <laughs> no, like you're always playing a, a person. Even if you're an ensemble person, you're like, you know, Philip from whales or whatever it is like I don't know of course um so that sort of you know what became like my uh structure for my class was these characters and it's just sort of only grown and evolved and now it's something that I really love and now I'm even more interested in maybe going into choreography or going into like that side of things um because it's just been such a something that kind of uh, started in a um, atypical time and I've just continued to feel so gravitated toward it and inspired by it and inspired by I'm like more excited to see other people dance like I'm, I'm now going oh my god I think what makes me more excited than dancing myself is watching other people dance something that we've created together like that feels just as uh, thrilling to me as you know doing McCavity, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, um, yeah. Something yeah. that came out of your brain and then is like fully embodied by yeah. someone else. And then so someone, amazing. and you like pass it to a group, a class or whatever. And, you know, one person does it one way. Another person takes it the totally opposite direction. And then someone does something and I'm like, Oh my God, if we were in a rehearsal room, I would 
want to like magnify that and see what happens there. And, um, so it's been like this amazing gift that I just really love. And I'm so happy you asked that question because obviously I've talked about it way too long, but you know. Oh my God, <laughs> no, I've loved every second of it. I, I wanted to ask because I have personally taken your class multiple times and I always love not only the, the choreography and the storytelling, but the environment that you create because dance class can be really scary or, you know, it can feel like one very specific, you know, like either competitive or like I'm in this room because I want to be seen, not just because I want to learn. And I love that your class for me is, and I, I think for so many is really, really about, you know, telling the story and embodying the, the choreography that you've created. I, I just love it. And I have to commend you because not only do you convey story through movement so beautifully but also just your acting you as an actor you are so smart and and tuned in to what's going on I mean I have been so lucky to not only share the stage with you um when you've played Hunyak but also um to watch you do Valma Kelly and there's always something just so tongue-in-cheek and new and there's like a spark in you that I just admire so much and um there's this one specific bit that um that I saw you do the most recent time I was with the show where um Charlotte famously Charlotte Gamboise oh, has this like queen. gorgeous physicality and she does this bit where she says oh yeah you you grabbed the chair and you said uh-uh and I was like this this is the most genius fucking thing I've ever seen. Like, just like you take every bit of opportunity there is and you use it. And I just think it's so brilliant. But also now that I'm blabbing, I have to tell you, your Hanyak is so powerful and beautiful. I really want to hear what your experience was like, you know, joining this show when Broadway was just reopening. It was the first show to come back to Broadway after the shutdown. You, it's an iconic show. And I know because I know you now that you had wanted to do it for a really long time. And you got to work with people like Gregory Butler and, and just all of these gorgeous people to, to set the show and bring it back to Broadway. But you've taken this role that, you know, could be looked at as something like fairly small or, or not really an opportunity to shine just because like she quite literally barely speaks English in the show. Mm -hmm. But you, you have made this role something that is just so powerful and heartfelt. Can you tell me about creating this, this version of this role? Oh, thank you. I, that means so much. Um, I, I definitely feel like I got, so lucky to have a whole rehearsal process with you know Gregory and and you know Walter Bobby came back and so many of um the people who really know this show inside and out were a part of the process for weeks and you know what replacement ever gets that opportunity none <laughs> so I right. I got really lucky in that regard and um and Lilius White was our mama uh, when we came back. And she, I just, I loved her so much. And I feel like... She is ridiculous. Yeah. She's also like part of the, you know, so I feel like those, Lilius and, you know, Denny who plays um, Aaron, uh, there, there's like certain people that really feel integral to my 
creation of like my hunyak. Um, but uh, yeah, I, man, I really love. It's funny because when I first got the call that I was playing hunyak, I was like, huh? Because I did, I did in my final callback I did every single monologue like I did all the monologues but not Hanya I didn't even think I was being considered uh, of course I was like what I also forgot my book and I only had so in love from kiss me Kate so I sang like a, I was like I'm not booking this because I think they think I'm unprepared and like I didn't do like I was it was anyway so I was very shocked when I got that role because I just was like I don't I always thought that she was like a you know very tiny meek skinny like ballet girl and i feel like i'm a busty i'm always playing whores as i said like i was like uh -huh. i just don't <laughs> but it so it took some time for me to like really kind of just get behind myself even playing this role <laughs> like i was like mm -hmm. i i have to find a way to like um do my version of this and I feel like a lot of it was really fueled because we were coming out of such a, you know, dark time with the pandemic and so much, um, a lot of things coming to light as far as social injustice and, you know, that George Floyd had happened almost a year prior. And, you know, I feel like a lot of the building blocks of Hanyak for me was having spent so much time in the pandemic, like, watching other people's stories where they did not um they were in a very unfair situation and they mm -hmm. you know did not have the same rights that other people did because of a b or c because they were you know did not speak the language because of the color of their skin because of their economic socioeconomic class because of you know whatever it is and uh you know, I've seen <clears throat> countless like documentaries about people who are wrongfully convicted of things. And I think that is what really struck me and like why I just like love Hanyak so much more. So many people are like, is she really not guilty? I'm like, no, for me, I think she really is not. Like, I, I yeah. have to believe that because, you know, it's just, um, it, to me, it's more compelling that way. If it really is like, I'm Absolutely. the I'm the only woman here who actually didn't do it, but because I don't have these connections and I don't have the lingo and I don't and I'm such an outsider, I'm gonna get hung and nobody really cares except for Mama. She's the only person yeah. who really invested in her, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, I really. It's just it's funny like the journey I had from getting cast being like why am I playing this role I just don't think I, I'm like funny I'm like not this you know I was like why am I playing the serious role to now <laughs> just being like oh my god I'm I'm so grateful to be playing this role and to be um you know getting to explore this side of things every night and yeah I just I really I love yeah. Hanyak um that's amazing yeah. I love it too and I I truly can say that I have. I've grown to love Hanyak more because of your performance. And I just, I'm so in awe of you. And also I mentioned it before, but I've gotten to do the show with you when you were playing Velma and it's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> did very, you know... very different from Hanyak. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But did you know, um, like when you got the offer for Hanyak, that they were also um, going to have you understudy Velma Kelly? Yes. Yes. That was part. Of... And I had, 
you know, done some Velma stuff in my audition. So I knew that they needed another Velma cover because the other one was mm-hmm. leaving. And um, so, yes, I did know. And I was very excited um, yeah. for that because, yeah, I mean, just dream, dream role, you know. Dreams. Like, like yeah. Totally. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Fierce. That's amazing. Okay, well, you mentioned Kiss Me Kate briefly. Oh, yeah. We have to talk about your experience in doing the revival of Kiss Me Kate on Broadway with none other than my freaking vocal idol, Miss Kelly uh, O'Hara. Another queen. Tell me. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Is she everything? Oh, she's everything. Like, funny story, my. When I first moved to the city, my dad was like, I know someone's uncle who does musicals. And I was like, dad, what are you talking? My dad's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm being you know, silly. But he was like, I know someone's uncle. I was like, who? And he was like, O'Hara, Kelly O'Hara. And I was like, you know, Kelly O'Hara's uncle. And it was like such a funny, um, you know, connection. And I ended up actually like going to her. This was before I did just like I was like greener than green you know I was totally <laughs> and she gave me like advice on the industry and like, I was a nobody like she had no reason to even answer my email that I sent I sent her an email and uh anyway <laughs> and so I had met her you know all these years prior you know I would want I think that was 2013 and she was just so generous with her time and like you know, just gave me, and then she had coached me a couple years later on my Lori stuff when I, before I did it at the Muni, um, and was again, just so generous and helpful. I think that's also why I love teaching because I was so impacted by her helping me and like being a cheerleader, you know, and then being supportive that I, like, I just want to make other people feel that because it genuinely, um, uh, just, propelled me to keep going you know like in times where I was like what am I doing I was like Kelly O'Hara thinks I'm okay let's keep going you know (laughs) um so anyway so when I found out I got Kiss Me Kate and then I found out Kelly was doing it I was like now we're finally working together so it was um a really cool moment and uh she's incredible she's you know all the things again just like a really smart actor and um that voice is you know out of control I think I never, I never heard her voice crack or any, like, it was like a, you know, a recording, like each show is beautiful. (laughs) Um, But, uh, and one thing I did love about her, and she showed so much leadership um, doing the show was like, she would watch Too Darn Hot backstage all the time. Like she would just sit on the ground and watch it from the wings, you know, which I just thought was such a beautiful leadership move you know it's like she she's not in her dressing room powdering her nose while the ensemble is busting their ass on stage she's on stage with us like supporting us like clapping in the wings you know and i just was like that is a class act you know so she's awesome and um that experience was so special and you know i think because it was a limited run we all got so close like we still have a text thread to this day you know are on there all the time and um it's yeah and uh it was it was awesome and i i just loved every minute of it and such good material and 
And I got to also cover Lois Lane, Bianca, which was another, yes. like, another iconic role that I was like, yep, I, that, that's fine. I'll do that as well. Um, <laughs> I guess. I guess, fine. I, I guess, if I must. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was another um, surreal moment. And, and yeah, yeah. God, that's amazing. And it's not even the only beautiful, like, golden age revival that you've done, because you also did My Fair Lady at the freaking Lincoln Center. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was Lincoln Center. I mean, talk about epic, like, those sets. And, uh, you know, it really is just um, incredible. And, And I had always wanted to work at Lincoln Center in that capacity. So that was such a bucket list moment and um again to to work with Bartlett yeah to work with Bart and you know see him work with um our Eliza was Lauren Ambrose who's um just an incredible actress and she just brought such a different take to the role and I learned so much from watching her um so that was such an incredible learning experience and and again to sort of have been part of it from the beginning. And, you know, we really like built a lot of those numbers like with Chris Catelli and um, we had a, a Viennese waltz person come in, the expert come in and teach us all the ways. And so it just felt like, you know, we really built this show as a, as a team. And um, yeah. And it was just, you know, some of my best friends are to, still to this day from that show. And, it was just, uh, yes, talk about pinkies up. You know, you're like, oh, this is a very nice place to work. I will, no complaints, <laughs> no complaints here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, that was another awesome experience. Yeah. Been so lucky. Wow. My God. Yeah. Yes, you are. And, and it's, it's not for nothing. I mean, you are such a hard worker and you have, clearly put in the the time and an effort to sort of create this path for yourself i mean you were nominated for a cheetah rivera award for cats you have performed on the tony awards like there are just these bucket list things that you have been able to do um are there things that you look forward to in your career that um that are bucket list like items for you that have yet to come oh yes i mean it's so funny. I feel like as I get older, I'm less and less, uh, how do I say this? I'm more interested in just continuing to work hard and go toward what uh, what door is opening and what I'm gravitated toward than having like very concrete, you know, like I have to do this one thing, you know, because I... Mm-hmm. sometimes feel like that can almost be limiting if you're going, I want to do this thing. And then you get kind of tunnel vision on it. And then you might be missing out on something else that might not be exactly what that goal is, but it might lead you to that goal in a different route, you know? So I think right now I yeah. of course have so many more goals, but I think I'm just wanting to continue to like, be present and be open and seize opportunities when they come up. And, you know, also I think it's, it's a mixture of like um, sitting back and, and waiting and just showing up and doing your job and doing good work and being reliable. And then also there, there are also times when you want to be bold and put yourself out there and, you know, you sort of have to like balance both. Right. Cause you can't constantly be 
bold and putting yourself out there because that can be off-putting, you know, or it can also, you know, it, sure. it's not always the way to go. And so it's kind of always writing that line and going, okay, you know, how, what, whatever the next move is, I just, I want it to um, come for all the right reasons, you know, and, and uh, yeah. So, so I feel excited for what the future holds, even though I don't even really know what it is. I think I've unlocked <laughs> this other like creative side of me that I'm excited to, you know, see what, what all of that holds, but, um, but I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. That's so thrilling. So exciting. I mean, you just, I feel truly like the world is your oyster. I mean, I do want to ask you about what it's like to have, um, a life partner who also shares yes. this theatrical experience. You have a beautiful husband. He's and so beautiful. Doggy right? child. Oh, yes, my dog child. He's so yes. beautiful. But you guys, I think it's so incredible that, you know, you guys are both in this industry and you get to share these experiences together. How has it been navigating, you know, booking contracts and leaving and coming back and, yeah. and all of yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because I definitely you know, always growing up, I was like, I'm not going to be with another actor. Like, no. And then here I am, like, married and madly. <laughs> yuck. Like, yuck. Ew. Um, but it's actually, <laughs> you know, I, I think even though we're both in the same profession, we really have a yin and yang, you know, we like, uh, you know, balance each other out really well. Um, he's definitely a lot more like stable and even keeled than I am. I'm like a little more like, what am I doing? You know, like all the time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's great because I think we just understand each other and we don't have to explain, you know, if one of us is in tech all day or like if I'm doing double duty and I'm going to be leaving at 9am and coming home at 11pm, there's never like, where were you? It's like, well, no, okay. I get it. You know, or, right, you know, right. oh, I get it. You're doing double duty because you're trying to like make sure that you're keeping other opportunities open for whatever happens after Chicago, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, there's, there's like a really deep understanding there, which I think um, is just really, really helpful uh, for everything that you want in a relationship, you know, just trust and um, totally that sort of, yeah, that, that mutual understanding is, has been really helpful. And, and yeah, and, and he's such a good example for me as far as, like he is just so, he's reliable, he shows up, he does the work and that has kind of always come back to um, serve him well, you know, like he's now the standby for Jafar and the Sultan and Kasim and over at Aladdin. And, you know, he didn't start off in that position. He was in and out for a long time and then they didn't meet him and then they brought him back and then, you know, and I think he just was like, just always showed up and always did a good job and was always there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're like, people notice that people take note and that is always remembered. And he didn't have to like, you know, bug people all the time or say like, I really, it was like, nope, he just did a good job. And now he's in the position that he's wanted for a long time. So, you know, he's, um, Period. he's been a good example in that way. And, and, yeah, I just love him. And he's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? It's really <laughs> tough. It's tough. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and Whiskey, we found him in, uh, like, he was a stray dog. Whiskey and the dog. We, 
Whiskey the dog and we had only been dating for like six months or something and we were in, we were like I don't know what our life is I don't know what's where do we live what's happening we're like I we love this dog now I don't know all right let's let's have a dog and then he's just been the best thing I mean I like can't recommend having a dog more I'm like the biggest um you know advocate for it because I'm like it's just perspective and you take him on a walk and you're like what was I mad about I don't know this dog is excited to see the squirrel it just really (laughs) it's it's been really um yeah yeah I feel again very very lucky in that regard as well yeah yeah (laughs) well corn I have a set of musical theater rapid fire questions that I ask every guest and they will be exclusively accessible on broadwayworld.com so if you're not listening on Broadway World get your ass over there so that you can hear these questions oh my god fuck here we go are you ready yes yes okay Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber Sondheim (gasps) okay sweatpants or jeans Sweatpants, yo. Do you have a favorite musical? Yes. Do I say what it is? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Sunday in the Park with George. Ah, yes, I know her well. Do you have a <laughs> least favorite musical? Least favorite. Oh my god, am I gonna get canceled? It's I Joseph. Hope so. and they- it's Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dream Coat. I did it for like a year and a half. I don't love it. Not my favorite. <laughs> I don't love it. Don't tell Andrew. <laughs> oh, well, a surprise. He's actually behind this curtain. He's here, here. Andrew. Come on out. Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. Night owl. Noted. What is the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? Um, oh, I'm sure there's something crazier, but the one that's coming to mind is Kiss Me Kate. Warren Carlisle had us uh, uh, literally sit with our butt cheeks in the man's hands, and then they just slowly pressed us all the way to a full press and then slowly back down into the, uh, into the barrel. It was a great stomping number. And I remember the first time he said that, he was like, and go. And I was like, come again? You, what? You want me to stop, put my butt cheeks in? Okay. And he's going to press me slowly. I'm not tiny, not tiny. Anyway, so that's what comes to mind. But I'm sure there's other crazy shit, but you know, yeah. I mean, a grape stomping number in a Warren Carlyle musical. That's pretty crazy. Yes. Um, Golden age or contemporary? Golden age, baby, golden age. I knew it, I knew it. Favorite role you've ever played? Bomb Ballerina. Sorry. You better it's work. Bomb. It's bomb. It's, it's always bomb. bomb. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my cavity's not there. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. What is the hardest show you've ever done? Cats. I'm going to say cats for every answer. Across the board. (laughs) What's your favorite Um, musical? Cats. 
just kidding. Okay, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> could you name all of the Broadway theaters that you have performed in? Oh, shoot. Um, yeah, okay, so it was uh, the Neil Simon, and then Lincoln Center Theater, and then uh, Studio 54, um, Roundabout, and uh, now The Ambassador. Gorgeous. So that's it. Those four. Ye old ambassador. Ye old. Um, what is your favorite costume you've ever worn? If you say cats, I'm going to kill you. No, I'm not going to say cats. Um, <laughs> I... Okay. It's close. It's close. But I do think that my Ascot Gavotte costume, that it was Kathy Zuber, um, designed it. And I had this big hat and this incredible I'll, I'll send i'll send you a pic um send me a pic but uh that that was a pretty incredible and gorgeous costume that i got to wear it was everyone was in pastels like lavender yeah it was it was really cool fabulous um i mean arguably the answer to this question could be you but who would you say is the silliest cast member of chicago the musical on broadway <laughs> Oh, not me. I'm serious. I'm Honyak. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, that building is chock full of freaks. Yeah, so there's a lot. It, it's hard to pick just one because there's. It's like, can I do top five? I mean, like, there's yeah. a lot of strange people. Like, for instance, Ariane just sent me a big blow up dinosaur outfit that she is Amazon priming, and she was like, "Can't wait for two show days," and I was like, "Yeah." And I was like, that's <laughs> my dressing room. So, um, you know, that's, that's the tip of the iceberg as far as weirdness goes. But <laughs> yes. Um, have you ever missed an entrance? Oh, naughty, naughty. Um, have I missed an entrance? Uh, I, I did not, you know how I, we'd like walk across the stage in the second act at Chicago at the top yes. of the act. Um, me and Selena were just, we're just chatting, chatting away. And we were on the stairwell. Just, I, I didn't hear that we were at places and we were just walking down. All of a sudden we heard that whistle blow and we were like, oh! and, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, that one's like kind of low stakes because then you just go like, then I just went to my chair from the other side. But I, I was like, oh, wow, we we did that. We missed it. We missed it. But love it. And it's fine. Yeah, that I'm, I don't think I've had one. I don't think I, I've missed Yeah. Well, my last question for you is. Oh, my God. What is one thing that you would tell baby corn? Oh, baby corn. I'd say <laughs> shut up. And, just kidding. Um, I would say, <laughs> no, um, I would tell Baby Corn, uh, mm, man, mm, give, um, sorry, I'm, I'm gathering my thoughts. I would tell Baby Corn to continue working hard, but also know when to take a breath. So... Yes, I would say give 100% when you can, and when you can't, it's okay. It's okay to sit down. 
I think growing up, I was a little bit like, I have to do all the things all the time. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't have to, but you should say yes as much as you can. It's mm, yeah. So it would be something along the lines of it's a find more balance. Maybe I wish I had a Mm. little more balance growing up, but you know, I turned out okay. I think something like that. (laughs) I would say so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Christine, thank you so much for being on the pod. I have truly, (laughs) I just adore you. And I was so Mm. excited to have you on the show. So thank you. Thank you. Can you tell the listeners where um, they can find you on socials and, and when you teach your classes so we can all come and play with you? Yeah. Come dance, baby. Let's see. All right. So Mondays at 1.30 at Steps on Broadway. Um, and then Fridays at 4.45 at Broadway Dance Center. Um, <laughs> that might be changing for the summer, but I don't know. Um, so there's that. And then you can find me on Instagram. Yeah, ever heard of it? Uh, at Christine Cornish. And uh, I don't have a talk, talk, talk tick. I don't have a tick Tickety toxic. Well, then fine. They will well, just have to. Then fine. I said, if I get another one of these things to be addicted to, I my brain will explode and I won't have a life. So, <laughs> just Instagram for me. One hundred percent. Oh my god, I simply adore you. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Thanks for having me. I adore you. Oh my god, I'm honored. Well, I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you sooner, hopefully. You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Bye! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.